1: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: We're back to the Show. My guest today, again, is business strategist, author, speaker, Jean Kuhn. Jean, how are you? And one of the things we talked about off air is, you know, I'm Mr. Speaker on Clubhouse. I'm Mr. Speaker in podcasts. But I've only probably done 10 speaking live engagements in my life. Probably 10. That's it. Wow. I've talked. And it was mostly in tutoring, never about marketing. How am I going to go out and find the right local speaking opportunities or even national speaking opportunities?
3: Well, let me ask first, Neil, do you have a signature talk? Have you created a signature talk? No,
1: I have not created a signature talk.
3: Well, one of the things, if you're going to go out and speak and you... I have a signature talk. I talk about one thing only, right? Increasing your revenue fast. And I talk about the ways that I've done it when I bought a bankrupt, two bankrupt businesses. So I think everybody needs to number one, have a signature talk and get good at it first. So let me tell you first how you get good at your signature talk. First, you write it. The second thing is you go out and you give it a lot. The one place I really like to give talks to is Rotary Clubs because there's one in every community they bring you in for free. They will, they will maybe buy you lunch or something. It doesn't matter. But you get, and it's not your, usually it's not your ideal audience, but you get to share your talk with people till you get good at it. Then go out and start speaking to other organizations. So you want to know how I get speaking gigs? Okay. Get ready to write this down, Neil. Right? All right. First of all, <laughs> first of all, I go to Google. And then How, go, what is Google? Goog, what is Google?
1: Yeah.
3: I go to Google and I start typing in uh groups. It's um groups that bring in speakers or my groups, the my ideal client are small business owners. So I would type in small business owner associations or things like that. I might even type in like uh like uh, Realtors or Uh, dentists or chiropractors or, and I'm looking for organizations that bring in outside speakers to help businesses grow their business. So that's the first way I do it. Go there. Then I might be looking for networking groups that I could speak to. And then I'm just Googling everything and I Google it around the town. So first I start with my town I live in, right? Why, why drive 60 miles if I can drive three? So I start there and then I just start working my way outward from that circle until I'm about, I don't know, 55, 60 miles, an hour and a half from home. I don't mind driving an hour and a half each way for, and listen, Neil, I'm not looking for paid speaking gigs because I know that I will make more money. Right from a if I bring on a client, then anybody would ever pay me to speak to a group for forty five minutes. So that's really, really what I do now. I do have a little script. Would you like to hear what I say yeah. when I call?
1: Absolutely. So it's so that's the thing I'm going to set as a homework assignment for next okay. week. Is I'm going to share with my signature talk and what my signature talk will be, and because right. I think I so the thing that I bring to the table, Gene is. Because of building a brand, and this is something to teach everyone, is if you built a brand and you've already scaled it, where you already have an ideal customer avatar, but now you have services where people will buy and and have signature things, you create a signature talk that's going to get people engaged to be loving that person, what you do and what it makes it different, and then you could sell any service to anybody. It's really true, especially if you're a service-based business. But something to talk about, you know, especially with... Likeability, and all that. But go ahead. I want to hear about this. Go ahead.
4: Okay.
3: So when I call up, let's just say I'm calling the Rotary and I know they bring them in, but I would still ask, I would say, hello, uh, my name's Jean Kuhn and I am just wondering if you bring in any outside speakers to speak to your organization. And they're going to say immediately yes or no. If the, if the answer is no, it's like, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Have a great day. But if they say yes, um, I would continue on with, I speak about How small business owners can increase their revenue fast. Is that something that your group would like to hear about? And then again, it's either a yes or no. A lot of chambers bring me in, which I love that because um, normally chambers don't let anyone speak to their groups except chamber members. But I can't belong to every chamber in the Chicagoland tri-state area, right? I would spend all of my money just belonging to the chambers, So Um, So then I ask, who's the name of the person that's responsible for bringing in your speakers? And is that person available? Now, if that person's not available, tomorrow, I just call back and I ask for that person directly. I don't go through the entire spiel again. And then I just, I literally get on the phone and I just ask for the speaking opportunity if that is something that's a good fit for their group. So it's really, I I would love to complicate that a little bit more for and make it seem like it's a really big, hard thing to do. But I Neil, the hardest part about that for people is making that phone call and asking. Right? It
1: so they all it. they all think that they go to the glorious behind the keyboard and send an email. What happens if you just go ahead and send emails without calling?
3: Uh, well, you know what? Actually, now I noticed the last time I went to Rotary's. It was all email. I had to send it out. So I typed up one email and it was copy and paste, send, copy and paste. You still
1: send, had to call send. to get the email. That's still the hard No,
3: part. no, no, no. Huh. I didn't have to call. There was no phone number really to call anymore. So I just literally went on and I Googled uh, Rotary Clubs in the state of Illinois. And I, it probably brought, it brought up, actually it brought up every single Rotary Club in the entire state. And then I started looking for the ones that were close to me and just reached out to them with a copy and pasted email. Now, it's not always like that. And I know, but I know Rotary is going to bring in speakers. They bring a speaker in for every meeting and they meet weekly. So that's a lot of speakers you need. But to get to the right ideal fit client, you really have to find a group that met, meets your specifications so for me that is small business owners who hang out together and they're networking for one reason only they need more business
1: so where do you find those small business owners that are networking that find business how do you find those
3: I literally go to Google and I'm like a small business owner groups a small business networking groups in this city right so I'm googling for I'm googling for that once I find that, then I reach out to whoever is managing that. Um, you can do that, you can also go to Meetup and do the exact same thing. Now you have to you can only contact them through Meetup. You will get answers back from some of them. You will I probably get answers back that way, maybe 25% of the time. But usually I will hear from a, a chamber. I like to, I like to reach out to chambers because when I mentioned that I have um spoken to so many chambers, they either come back with who have you spoke, where have you spoken, right? Which I've got a list of them. And the other piece is, is, yes, we of course our people would like to hear more about how to increase their revenue fast. So I I get booked that way. Now there's also another couple places um, and I know there's one, they're, they're, they're around the area, but um, I mean, around the United States, but I don't know exactly. I know they're in Phoenix and Milwaukee and Chicago. They might be a couple other places. There is a place called freespeakers.org right? So you can sign up for free speaking gig. I just had a gig like that actually last week, and it was to uh, senior service providers. So I went out, I spoke to them for 20 minutes, made an offer and walked away with uh, a few people coming to an event that I'm doing this coming Friday. So that's what I was looking for. So you're, you always have to have a call to action, right? So, and I always give them a little form to fill out when I'm speaking, right? Things I want to know about them. So these are just different, just different techniques that I learned and, and, uh, implemented into my business to go out there and speak to more people.
1: You know, and that's the huge thing is that you, that what what you do and it's like, and how how you do it. I'm just impressed by the fact that you just told me stuff that is so invaluable. I just did the, the lazy search on Google. Look at me, Mr. Digital Marketing Guy. Lazy, because here's the thing. Oh my gosh, I have to pick up the phone. Oh my gosh, because like, you know, I can get on stage tomorrow. But getting to that ideal customer and then figuring that out. So let's just talk about it. That's the other part that you teach. And we've talked about this totally on the show multiple times when you've been a guest. You have to find that ideal customer audience small business owners boom you found it if you're a law if you're a lawyer you, and you're working in the real estate industry you want to speak to real estate people boom what groups are out there in real estate and are you interested in these other networking groups that are that might have small business owners but it's more of a referral network you know like the ones that are kind of more organized do you ever speak at those too you know no, what I'm talking um, about the BNI's like the I, world, yeah.
3: Yeah, BNI does not bring in outside speakers to speak to their people. I was part of BNI a long time ago when I had a brick and mortar, and they don't bring in outside speakers. So, well, if I haven't, if I have a contact within one, I might ask for the opportunity. And that's another thing too: is who do you know that that corral[s] your people, right, and teaches them, or talks to them, or networks with them, or. Who do you know? Because I have one woman that runs a networking group out of uh, Connecticut that I'm on her. I'm on her in her networking group twice a month. I speak to her people every single time I I go. But listen, that is a pay to play opp- opportunity for me. So we have a deal that I come in and I will pay for the opportunity. And if I get any clients from her group, there's always a check that goes along with it, right? So there is there is an opportunity there where she can make some money by bringing me in. And I'll, it was about four years ago, she says, hey, I'd like you to come and speak to my group once every couple months. Um, would, you, would you be interested in doing that? And I'm like, I have a better question. How can I be the only speaker that comes and speaks to your group regularly? So now we, have, we created that opportunity that I, I kick her a little bit of cash for the opportunity. It's like a sponsorship every month. Twice a month, right? right? I pay a little bit of money for the opportunity to speak to her people, and then should any of them become clients, I pay her an affiliate uh, commission on that.
1: See, that's that. See that, and that's really important. And then there's other groups that you pay to be in their networking groups, and that's another way to speak. Just mm-hmm. to bring up those things, and I had a client tell me two of them to jump on that are huge because of the who you network with, and that's the other thing why you went to specific coaches for your opportunity to be into that network, especially when it was not virtual, it was in person, that you spend money to buy into networks. Like, you know, if it's your ideal, like Tony Robbins, system people, and you know exactly those people are going to be at those networking groups, it's game on, right? Exactly. Because, that, because the But that's not speaking. That's more the networking aid. Maybe we could talk networking next time because I think, Gene, you're a great networker too, right? Not just, you're not just a great at, speaking in front of people, you teach them the network too, right? You don't just go up. Yeah, I
3: absolutely teach people to network too and to do it right. Because it's, here's the thing. Let's just talk about for one second, because really I'm going to share everything they need to know right this minute. Listen, it's not about you. When you go to a networking meeting, it's not about you. And everybody goes with the thoughts of, I'm going there for business. But if you go there and try to get business out of a networking group, you're going to actually get zero. You have to go there understanding that nobody cares about you and you have to care about everybody else first. And the moment you do that and you go from a place of service instead of from a place of sales, you will always, always, always find your ideal clients there.
1: Build relationships, Gene. Yep. build relationships. That's the other problem in social media is once you get leads on social media, if you don't build the relationship first, before you offer them something, they're going to be like, ew. And yes. that's what we got to work on for yeah. sure. And the best place for people to go right now, especially to sign up for your event coming up in October, the yes. big lot of event is go to
3: Jean and Jean better check and make sure that that's on my website right now. So, oh, actually, it's not. We haven't launched the website for that. Hopefully, we're going to launch that Monday. Um, so, it's not
1: make sure yeah. you subscribe to our email list. You're, that's that's the gold mine. You get such you every week with our emails. Appreciate it, Gene. Thanks again for stopping by.
3: Thank you,
1: Neil. All right, you're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and I am excited to welcome the program again. The co-host of Seniors Helping Seniors author of the Holloman series three books plus audiobook and ceo of seniors publishing and holloman publishing paul house paul how are you and we're going to talk about something that everyone likes to know about the behind the scenes of your writing your first book i we can't share it the next book we're going to start sharing it on social media the behind the scenes when you're on your drawing table and you're coming up with different ideas and people drop a link In YouTube, if you're a fan of the Hollow Man series, what's your favorite thing and things like that? But let's talk about the behind the scenes.
5: Um, Well, how I got started writing, um, it it was actually, uh, that's kind of a long story, but let's just uh, shorten it to say um, a friend of mine said you should write a book. And I said, you know, I don't really know about that. And she said, "Uh, well, what else do you have to do? So I thought, okay, that's that's fair enough. So and I happened to be retired at the time already. Uh, I retired early, um, and so um, I started writing the book. The, the behind the scenes, you know, you, I can tell you that that you have to write every day. You have to you have to to um, to. to edit yourself every day you have to uh uh, let people read it if you if you can stand that a lot of people don't you know so i can so i can tell you all those kinds of things but what it really comes down to is is um is something that i heard when i was a kid um ben franklin told me (laughs) Actually, not. uh but he um ben franklin said
1: so you're you're as old as ben frank you mean you're you we're in Brent Vanquen's
5: time. Oh, older. I'm older than Keith Richard. Yeah, <laughs> When he was, I remember when he was a baby. Uh, so, um, so the, the the so the key is so I so I started writing it, and that and and what happens is that you 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 sit. You have to you have to to spend time every day. Whether it, pick out some time that that's convenient for you and write every day something if you can't write that day then read what you've written you sort of thing so i was actually kind of lucky as far as the story goes if you can call that luck um uh, i had i have written this the this a story i've actually lived the story that that is worth telling and i've I, I told the story that's that is worth reading so so i kind of got lucky on both of those ways but but what happens is that the story didn't have to actually come to me it was already there so I had to just put it down on paper just sort of almost like a reporter would do after the fact you know kind of a thing of any any story out there a car crash or a fire building on fire etc so um so what I did was I just had to sit down and start writing which um which is kind of different than most people go at it they have to kind of think of a story and 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 then uh, uh and add details to it basically and write from there two different kinds of writing that you can do there's one that's a that's a, a, a skilled a, a skill that that would say i'm a planner which i can plan books all the time uh and you know i say i know the characters before i start i know the title i know that i know what happens etc you know because it's all outlined and then there's the other part which is called a, a pantser which is you're you're writing by the seat of your pants you let the characters go where the story wants to go. And that is that's kind of my style as, as I write by the seat of my pants, although I'm usually not standing up when I'm writing. but um, so so what happens then is is that you that you you get you get to a certain point uh, of saying the characters, the characters have built themselves through the story and you let them take the lead so so that's what i do i mean i i, I let the characters take the lead and take me where i want where where they want to go not where i want to go and um and oddly enough it was um they wanted to go where I wanted to go in this case, but, but generally I, I understand that they don't go, uh, um, they just say, look, I, I wouldn't do that. If I were a real character, I'm going to do this. And so, so, and they'll let you know as an author that, that this is what you, what, this is what, this is the direction you need to go in. If you have not, if you don't have everything all planned out, so you just let them run like a free reign, like, like children in a, in a, in a schoolyard, you let them go where they want to go. Um, so so behind the scenes uh writing specifically i, I spend an, an hour or two writing every day um when i can't write i actually take a break and, and play a tune or so on, on a guitar to, to relax my mind and then i come back to the to the writing uh uh and and uh, it, you know it just kind of goes there there you you should not ever have um uh Write, something called writer's block um, if you're if you think that you're experiencing writer's block what's really happening a, a friend of mine Caleb Pertle, has always said that that if you have writer's block then you're asking your characters to do something that they wouldn't do so they so you're fighting with yourself as to what what's going on there so so you so you come back so so Take a break if you're if you have if you think you're having writer's block. Take a break. Watch watch TV for a few minutes or play a guitar if you have, you know piano. What if you have a musical instrument? Do that. Um, uh, those kinds of things. But but I I do that um, every day. Uh, just you you pick the same same kind of as time ish that you do it because if you if you say well I'm going to write at two o'clock today and I'm going to write at six o'clock tomorrow you tend not to do that. You not you don't do the six o'clock because you get you get wound up in something else so so pick us pick a time that that uh, is convenient for you every day right during that period um and and it doesn't have to be a long time you could be 15 minutes a day it depends on how how speedy you are at writing or not writing um and just and just go at it that way And that's what that's actually what i did uh so i got on a roll i could write 30 pages in one day you know, sort of thing. So you just kind of, if it's going, if it's if it's writing, and you're in a rhythm, you 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 write, and and that's what you do, and and that's what I did. So, um, so it was it was kind of uh, the only problem I had was remembering uh, correctly. Um, in in my case, um, street names and and uh, not so much the occurrences, but the street names and the and the the uh, um river names, and you know whatever i was doing you know kind of thing at the time but uh but uh thank you for google maps i can i could see oh yeah that's the name of that street or that's that's the name of the cemetery or that's the name of this this there so uh luckily thankfully we we have the internet today to do our research for us so um do that and um and and you're good i mean there, that, you know i can't tell you any big secrets it's just it's just hard work and doing it um uh that's so have your guitar, jam out, take breaks and really yeah. come up with a
1: plan of how long you're going to write to write that book.
5: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you, you have to you have to understand that that it's going to take the first book always takes you longer than the second one. Um, definitely. And the, and the third one is less less time. But I can I can guarantee you that your second book is going to be better written than your first book. His third book is going to be better written than your second book. So you're you're learning and you and you're you you're um uh, you're understanding what it is that you're doing and you're learning your craft. All right.
1: To go to the best place to go is Paul. I mean, go to the to check it out. Follow Paul on all social media platforms. And if you want to publish a book, contact Paul today. Appreciate it, Paul. Thank you. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show. And my guest again today is Mirabai Davi. She is a spiritual teacher, internationally known spiritual teacher and spiritual healer. Mirabai, thanks for stopping by. And our topic today is going to talk about, we were talking about one-on-one sessions. What's the difference between a private one-on-one session and a private and a retreat? What's the difference? A spiritual retreat?
4: Yes, Neil, thank you so much for having me on your show again. And to answer your question, the difference between a private retreat and a private session is night and day, because a private retreat is a once in a lifetime opportunity to make a major positive change and break through a cycle or a karmic cycle. So a retreat is actually designed, it's five days, if a person would like to receive that minimum five days to actually take a deep dive to an incredible level of depth where the deepest level of processing that a human being can go through, but in a held, loving, safe, warm environment. So a retreat is actually life-saving. It's a completely different level than a private session. Um, You can dig into the soul level during a private session briefly. But it's like one chapter versus a retreat is a whole movie. You can dig into a very deep soul level uh, where you have the time and the space to do work that you've been wanting to do your whole life. And during that retreat, there are a lot of light beings that come in to support that work and to help the individual to work through those deepest levels that they want to change or to make those changes in their lives. So during the retreat, I'm holding a container the whole time to remove people's blockages um, to healing themselves and to awakening spiritually I'm helping them to whether it's breaking through an illness or to get deep spiritual guidance and answers or to facilitate a major change for the better or to accelerate spiritually um, it's also about working on multi dimensional levels with other lifetimes, past lives, looking at your timelines, clearing your karma, clearing deep body illness and deep body issues like injuries, illness, re- repeating relationship karmic patterns that are just not working, areas of conflict, and even spiritual crisis. You know, so many people are dealing with spiritual crises these days. So, in this, in this place, uh, I'm working with very deep soul and etheric guided readings in the Akashic records, past life, lineage clearing, soul retrieval, and this kind of thing to access these deeper places. So the retreat helps people not only just to feel so much lighter but it actually helps people to have that breakthrough experience that they've been looking for. And that breakthrough experience is permanent.
1: So that private retreat is how does it start? How long is the private retreat?
4: Great question. So the private retreat is for five sessions and each session is one and a half hours and those five days can happen as uh, consecutively or they can be spread out over two weeks or they can be spread out over the course of a month if that person, if it's too intense and it needs integration time in between. And the session really is um, set up in a way where we map out in the first session what's needed for the entire retreat. And we're focusing on intuitive guidance so it's different than a private session in the sense that there's the break, the long breaks between private sessions. Most people don't even realize that they can do this deeper level of work and healing on themselves and have this consecutive rhythm to do that in those five or 10 days, whatever they choose. So if a client wants longer, they can go longer. People, some people actually work with me on and off throughout an entire month if they're going through a major transition in
1: their life what's amazing about this is in the one private session you can't get enough it's it gets to start you understand things some but they got you got to put the work in it's like anything else so by doing a private retreat you really give them homework throughout that process to get to the goal once that private retreat is over is not correct
4: that's exactly right, because we're doing so much deep digging. It's like surgery, right? It's, a, it's an experience of like you're coming out of the hospital having had surgery, only it's on the inside because so much has been lifted out of you and adjusted and changed for the better that you need the homework, you need the practices, you need the support to integrate all the changes so that you don't go back to the old patterns or old programs or old life that you had before.
1: I think it's fabulous stuff for sure. And it's something that you get blown away about having this experience. And we talked about how great one-on-one private sessions are, but private retreats, there's not many spiritual teachers doing this, spiritual healers, right? Again, we talked about this one-on-one sessions. Not many have the time or willing to do such great deep work one-on-one with Mirabai Davey.
4: Right. That's because exactly like you said, one-on-one. And uh, just wanted to mention that it can take someone four to six months to integrate the work afterwards because it's so deeply life-changing. And um, physically, it can take three to four weeks to integrate it. So it's important for whoever decides that they want to experience a private retreat and do this level of deep work, that they really know that they're making the space or carving the space in their life to be able to integrate this massive shift in their internal energy system and that they can really know that I am there to support them, to protect them, to guide them, and to work through it with them so they're not on their own trying to do this massive shift all by themselves. So it's important that they know that I'm gonna walk them through the entire process with kid gloves in a tender, loving, compassionate way And so whatever they've been afraid to face or to really look at or work on, it's not going to be so scary. The work is actually going to be amazing for them and life changing.
1: Oh, It's amazing, life changing. It's got to be really, really exciting for people to get a possibility like this. And this is only for a limited time, right? You don't always do private retreats, right?
4: Right. So So right Mm -hmm. now, right now I'm on an event tour. And during that event tour, um, mostly doing public events and private one-on-one sessions, but I'm opening up space this August and this September for private retreats again. So this is good timing if anyone feels cold to come forward and book something for August and for September, 2023, where I'm just gonna be opening up the space for those now uh, for the first time in a while. And so I just wanted to mention people that have done previous retreats have had unbelievable outcomes. Massive health, health problems have cleared up. Um, People have gone in and out of higher states of consciousness. Some have remained in them. People that have had like closed hearts and been even dealing with paranoia have like become healers or spiritual teachers and are helping guide people because they're in such a state of love and bliss Uh, People that have had extreme anxiety and fear have come out with such a deep inner peace, finding their life purpose. Um, We've had people who've been like emotionally and financially paralyzed open into huge levels of abundance and breakthrough. So we've really seen dramatic results on the retreat. And it's because it's a consecutive breaking through of the walls or of the blockages until we kind of release them.
1: And the best place to go is MirabyDavy.org, right? The schedule. Yes, they
4: can They can go to MirabyDavy.org um, forward slash retreats. And there's a landing page there that tells them all about it. And there's a lot of information that we will give them also when they contact us. So they can also contact us at uh, info at mirrorbydavey.org and send an email to the office and then we can help fill in the details.
1: And also they can call you, right? That's another place. Yes, tell us about that. Mm
4: -hmm. They can call us on 760-216-1029. That's 760-216-1029. And if they can't access the landing page on retreats, we can send that to them, send them a direct link.
1: All right, thanks Mirabai, we appreciate it.
4: Yeah, Neil, one more thing is that people can do a retreat from anywhere in the world because they're on Zoom. So people can join in from India or Malaysia or South Africa or Europe. And we can accommodate their time zones and they can just, all they have to do is commit to those five, one and a half hour sessions over a week or two weeks or a month. And then in addition to that, if they are in the areas like California or Oregon or New England or Hawaii, they can come in person.
1: All right. We appreciate it, Mirabai. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show and we'll be back in just a moment. Guys, who knows if at one point in time, this will be in this, you know, unbelievable web 3.0. This is again, Neil, the media giant Haley, and I'm doing a training with Paul Hollis, author of The Hollow Man and owner of Seniors Publishing. If you're looking to publish a book, either seniors or not, he can do it for you for a fraction of the cost, and it won't be backed up for six months. Your book will be published in a month or so, and especially if it's ready to go. But today we're going to talk to Paul Hollis about The Hollow Man which again, he's getting more book sales through the marketing. We've grown the followers, but we're going to use our good friend, Chatty. Chatty is going to help us with our next phase of the marketing process. Again, I'm Neil, the old media giant Haley. I own a, a digital marketing agency, social media podcast agency, and I'm learning specifically things every day. And you can find me on, again, seven media giant Avenue on Clubhouse Universe. You'll see me on some sort of stage. Don't worry, guys. I think things are getting calmer thanks to people like Gary Henderson. But let's go ahead and uh, share screen. And we're going to go in. And we always want to open the chat up with a particular topic. So the topic we're going to do now is we're going to open up the hollowmanseries.com website. And, you know, for people that might just want to reach out to Paul and say, oh, I can do this for you, Paul, for the fraction of the cost. Paul is loyal. He is dependable. And he knows we're going, we're going big places, the media giant and I. So if everyone wants to hit him up, maybe you could just apply to work for Paul. That's what you should be doing if you're hitting him up in DMs. So let's go to chat GBT by first taking the books. So the big thing that people make the stake is that if you want to have success, and I'm trying to see what this does. Okay, here we go. And we're going to focus on just marketing the hollow man. If we want to have success marketing a product search you've got to give input to chat gbt you can't just go ahead okay and not give input to chat gbt because if you input leads to output so i'm going to just go ahead and say can you create a series of videos and social long form social media Content that will convert into sales for Paul's book. Paul, what do you see when I usually do this? It's sh- shocking. I speak to it like it's a real human being, don't
5: I? Yes, you do. And and that's what you should do because that's that's what it understands. It's built it's built to understand conversation.
1: Just like threads guys but that's for another training another time and i'm offering all these free but they will only probably be on youtube for a limited time when somebody tells me to pull them and put it into a membership site but not right now it's not so i'm going to go ahead and plug in what paul hollis's book is and let's see what chat does okay at first they give you the most ridiculous idiotic stupid things it needs direction ladies and gentlemen so if you hire a marketer or you are you think you can be a marketer now using ai yeah it gives you basic stuff but that's not what i asked was it paul
5: right yeah exactly i, I didn't ask that at all right and and besides we have we've actually done all this in the first round of of marketing right
1: so wrong no chatty <laughs> you are wrong i'm disappointed okay why is it not going any further okay all right it's re- still it's not happy i was mad at him so probably chat OpenAI is mad I talked, made the the, the, uh, AI model mad at me. Look, we are stuck. So let's read some of these till it works again. What happened? I'll regenerate response. Let's see if finally OpenAI does it right. Okay, look. Okay, there he goes. Okay. All right, I have no idea why it's not working, but let's go to the question. I want five reels to create for the book and see how I'm going more specific and and hopefully it scrolls up look it didn't again and I want five reels to create for the book and uh, a blog post first I have to regenerate this again So when this happens, probably the best bet is to just take the content he's done so far, open up another page, and do it again. So this is where people get discouraged, Paul, right? They weren't in the AI. AI wasn't doing anything. I was being funny, and my funniness didn't work. So I will go back to chat again, open up another window, and do it again. I'll first give the input into the thing. Why is it not scrolling all the way down? I don't know. It probably doesn't want you to keep putting this stuff on zoom and videos you know that it's probably set up like that saying that he's recording while doing this so i'm going to give another idea i'm going to like regenerate one more time one more shot
5: there we go go the website So this is
1: what happens. We're gonna st- we're gonna stop the video and show you what I created after the video is over. I think this is a but it did do it right. So we'll give it one more shot, Paul. I did a link tree carrying today and the other, let's do one more shot. Can you create three reels and three shorts scripts? Five. And long form social media posts that will sell his book. Okay. See it really didn't like that I talked to him bad. Do you
5: think I really upset him, Chatty? <laughs> well that would that would go against um what people have been have been saying about uh <laughs> ggp
1: <laughs> okay here's a long form social media post okay Can you think more out of the box? I'm not going to criticize. And then we're going to see what we have. I love you, (laughs) Chatty.
5: This is great. Yeah. Nah, nah,
1: interactive now cliffhanger reel. Create an interactive reel where the viewers get the choices for the main counter at crucial moments. The choices could lead to different outcomes. Build intrigue. And encourage them to read the book to discover. Book. Uh, where's the next one? Look at all this stuff. Long form Crafty series of intriguing Twitter threads narrated from different narrate, characters perspectives. Wow. This is what I think that's happening. Paul is again, he's the real life Jason Bourne that we need to do certain things like that. Instead of just podcast interviews. So I think what we're going to do for the remaining time is take a look at all this stuff, but I'm just going to give you these ideas guys, so that you see how amazing it is. Of course, let's go first to the ideas that came first, right? this is what basic marketers do hollow man teaser reel create a suspension visual striking reel with quick cuts and dramatic music authors inspiration reel it's behind the scenes paul discusses writing the hollow man that could be still a good topic these are pretty good but at the beginning guys it was terrible right the trailer and all that stuff so yeah really good stuff make sure you like subscribe and share the video follow paul follow me you'll see me on seven media giant avenue here on clubhouse universe and we'll talk soon take care guys because i got videos to create with paul that are not podcasts take care
0: hi and welcome to women ceo and reflection a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women ceos across the globe it's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, welcome to Women's CEO and Reflection. I'm your host, Marisa Jones. Today's guest is Alana Proust. She's the founder and CEO of Recast City, a nationally recognized consulting firm working with city, community, and business leaders across the U.S. to revitalize cities by integrating space from small-scale manufacturers. Ilana is passionate about her work turning downtowns into vibrant economies so these cities become great places to live, work, and visit. Her book, Recast Your City, How to Save Your Downtown and Small-Scale Manufacturing, is a must-read for people and organizations responsible for downtown reinvestment. A visionary in community development, Alana Proust is a highly sought speaker at prestigious events, including the 2023 National Main Street Conference, Northeast Maker Summit, and TEDx.
2: Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me with you today. Um, So tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, how,
0: what was your journey to kind of start Recast City? What was your drive and passion
2: behind that? So my passion has always been about great places. I have this sort of core belief that everybody deserves to live in a great place. And we know historically, we have not invested in places equally. We've not invested in people equally. And I grew up in the DC area in the 80s. And it's a really it was a really clear message that certain places um, were getting investment and some places weren't. And so the, the core of my belief in my work has always been Everybody should get to live in a great place, however they define it, not based on my definition or your definition, but based on their own community definition. And I worked in the field for a long time in community development, policy change, research. I was the numbers and maps kid at the beginning. Uh, That's how I broke into the field. And over the years, I realized we kept talking about great places and we kept talking about jobs, housing balance, and we never talked about the people and we never talked about um, if what kinds of jobs and what kinds of businesses made the biggest difference for a neighborhood to not only be a great place, but to be economically resilient, to include the people who live in that neighborhood now, um, and to actually help them build wealth as a neighborhood changed. And so I went through this sort of exploratory stage and all the way back in 2013 and was trying to figure out what kinds of businesses made the biggest difference. And I hosted a series of events in D.C. called In the City. And I looked at tech and I looked at food businesses and I looked at transportation startups that were just the rage at the time. Uh, And then I did production in the city. And it was like this explosion in my brain that there were all these amazing people who were making products. They had no support, they had no space to do the work. And I had found real estate developers who were really excited about this sector when I was doing my research for the event. And it was this sort of explosive aha moment for me. And in 2014, I launched Recast City to focus on small scale manufacturing businesses and how they contribute to downtowns and neighborhood main streets, but also as a way for us to focus on community wealth building, especially for historically excluded and underserved populations.
0: So I have a vision in my head growing up just outside New York City, and I would go to the downtown uh, more like the Soho and Greenwich Village areas where you had a lot of small manufacturing businesses Mm -hmm. down there. Um, what types of companies are in those,
2: um, those spaces, those retail spaces? Absolutely. So I, I have a shorthand that I use. It's hot sauce, handbags, and hardware, right? It's everything, <laughs> from, everything from the artisans in your holiday market to the 50-person brewery to the, um, I just spoke to somebody today who in their community, they have the folks doing 3D hip printing, right? That are custom to fit to a person's body at this point. All of that is small-scale manufacturing. It's anybody who's creating a tangible product that you can replicate or package. And the key to them is that they're small, so they can fit in storefronts. They can fit in our neighborhoods. Um, they can—they w- desperately want to be a part of our community, whether or not they're consumer-facing or supply chain you know, or wholesale-facing. Fa- and it's just a very different era or way to think about these businesses because over the last 40, 50 years, people have only thought about manufacturing. Oh, you need 300,000 square feet. You need a million square feet. That's just not what's going on today.
0: Yeah, a lot, lot more smaller companies, entrepreneur, uh, but they're still building great products.
2: Yes, absolutely. And they're having incredible competitive edge because of fast ship time and custom work and quality of work and being able to have a personal relationship with the person making your product. So there's really exciting things going on in the field.
0: So what is your ideal um, location as far as where they're at from a growth perspective that
2: you kind of step in and take them to the next level? So we work with the community leaders to make sure that the environment around these entrepreneurs is in fact as supportive as it can be so that the community knows their business owners. We actually help them find the small scale manufacturers because most places have never paid attention to this business sector. Um, but then we look at things like real estate spaces, business development support, financing, PR and marketing. Um, and what specifically within those very big buckets do these businesses really need in their community? And is it different depending on, you know, race, ethnicity, age, immigrant status, all these other factors that we often don't look at when we're looking at business development support, but are so essential to how people trust a system around them, engage with people around them, um, and who benefits from the investments.
0: Because, and you you, you started talking about a little bit, when, when I first think of, and a lot of people, when you first think about like, um, you know, rebuilding cities or re-, re uh, reinvesting in your in your downtown areas, the first thing people start thinking about is gentrification. Right. And that has some good things to it. And that has a lot of bad things to it. So how do you how do you um, how do you maybe communicate that to the communities that that's, you know, the benefits of what they're doing? And it's
2: not what the stigma behind gentrification is. Well, I think it depends on who's benefiting from the investment. Right, I mean, the problem with the problem with gentrification is the displacement that often comes with it. Right. So we've seen a lot of commercial displacement in a lot of communities, let alone residential uh, housing displacement. And so I've actually started working with an amazing set of communities um, that are saying, "Well, how do we get investment without displacement? How do we how do we get investment that benefits the people who are here now?" in housing, in business development, in commercial space? And I think that's the essential question to ask. Over the last many decades, we've always said just investment, throw investment in, throw whatever kind of development, put it in there, right? Because it's going to benefit somebody. And the reality is, is exactly what you described. It displaces a lot of people. And there are just some amazing people in the field I've met really over the last few years in particular who understand the finance and they understand the real estate and they're from the community and they work with the community. And they're really working from an advocacy and organizing standpoint, but also from a real estate and finance perspective all at once. I mean, it's sort of amazing sets of skills and these people I've met to make sure that the investment that's coming in is benefiting the people who are there now. The simplest way that I think about it is who gets the storefronts, right? It's a question we've never really asked, but it is the The culture of the community is in its storefronts. And so if we're not thinking about that super proactively, then we're just setting up for a success that only benefits some people and probably not the people who live there now.
0: Yeah, I, I have a vision of, you know, when I travel overseas or anywhere, I love to go to the local communities. I love to go to the local restaurants. I hate the tourist traps, you know, like, yeah. you know, all the, you know, like if you go to like the Bahamas, there's there's the ports, right? That's not the right. reality of how those people live, you know? And so, so you're kind of integrating with them. And that's changed probably quite a bit since the pandemic, right? Because the dynamics of you know there's a lot more empty spaces that need to be filled. Uh a lot of businesses shut down and that but the, the new ones are starting to kind of reignite. Um but but there's still a lot of people who are out of work right so you you're probably having to do a lot of balancing
2: with that. During the pandemic it was we were running a we were running a whole bunch of projects at the beginning of the pandemic that all shut down. When everything came back a few months later one of the things that we found in our projects was that some people have lost their job, but some people had finally said enough is enough, right? And this is what we saw in the great resignation articles is that people had been putting up with job conditions, how they were treated in the office, all of these different things. And they sort of said like, why am I doing this? Which I find, I hope somebody writes an amazing, many amazing theses about this in their like psychology PhD at some point, but I met all of these people who had sort of what we call a side hustle, right? They made a thing for their friends all the time. And during this time that we were all stuck at home, they really invested in their skills and their marketing and their positioning. And we saw just a ton of businesses take off. And it was inspiring. I mean, really, like the most amazing conversations with people who, you know, had all these different businesses that they were launching at the same time, that they were marketing. Um, people wanted to really change their personal lifestyle, the quality of their life. Um, they wanted to be able to spend more time with family and not commute. And they found ways of doing that by working with in small scale manufacturing. Um, you know, and the question we always pose to folks now, when we work with community leaders, economic development teams, um, chambers of commerce, uh, main street organizations, is: Have you found the home home based businesses? Because these are your future storefront users, because there's right. so many people who are making products at home and are will be ready with the right kind of support.
0: So the people started investing in themselves and believing yes. in themselves that they can do it, that they did not need what you were talking about, those giant $300,000 warehouses to do the manufacturing. They started to believe that they can do it, you
2: know, on a smaller scale and you help them do that. Right. And we, we work with communities that are providing the support. We're more or less saying, hey, like, let's let's scratch the surface where you're where you don't even know that this economic engine is operating. Let's open up the box. Right. And expose to you this amazing magic that's going on in your community. Yes. And, I, you know, I become the local cheerleader for this whenever I, I'm with one of these communities. But one of the things we encourage our, our community leaders to do is go visit these producers in their production space if they lease a space and see what they're making and when community leaders come back from doing those interviews their eyes are just sort of wide open how exciting it is for everybody right this is it's sort of this universal experience you see people making something and it's magic and so you know part of my goal is to get everybody excited about the the potential of this business sector but then to really think about who's getting the opportunity where is it happening what are we doing with our shorefronts and the nitty gritty of action right what what actions do we need to take as a community to really make a difference for people
0: wow it's really exciting i'd love that so so let me ask you so you're coming up it sounds like 10 years for your business Almost. how has it how has running this company changed you
2: oh completely i'm pretty sure i'm a totally different person um i'll give you an example because i don't really know how to answer that question when I first started my business people said oh you have to send out emails and I would sit down and I would write an email and I would just be panicked the vulnerability that I would feel writing something and maybe a thousand people that I had you know collected from all my different emails professionally that I threw into an email list when I started I told them all I was doing it to them and they were they came along for the ride and the vulnerability I felt writing anything to these people oh my god what are they going to think what am I going to say am I doing it right am I doing it wrong I mean, it gave me stomach aches, and now it's like, oh, I need. I haven't spoken to my list for a while. Wait, let me just write something to them. And it's all in my voice. It's all in my personality. Um, I am. I'm also ten years, almost ten years older, which I think helps. But like, I'm just, I'm comfortable in my skin that is Recast City, and and one of the reasons I launched it is because I not only was excited about the field of work but I really wanted to be able to work in my voice now I'd worked in nonprofit and federal government before that um and it was never my voice no matter how much of a leadership role I had and this could authentically be me and my voice and the the one of the most fun things I had when I wrote my book was that the book is in my voice like it's it's really the way I talk to people. There's <laughs> princess bride jokes in it and there's like wonky things in parentheses with exclamation marks because I have to make a side comment while I'm talking about something. The, the editors did not like that. That was a whole debate, but I got it in and it was, it's just, it, it, it's just fun. And I, I feel like I am impacting people's lives and it's, it's just an amazing difference. That's so great. He, I laugh because when I wrote my book, it was the same thing. My editors
0: were like, "I don't think you should put that in there. That's probably not right." And it's like, "No, that's how my mind thinks. Like that's yes. literally what's going through my head." Um, and and what you said was is really important. It's like you kept your authenticity. Um, one of the things, you know, I spending 30 years in tech right i'm always driving projects for someone else right, right. and i could be creative from an architect's perspective but only so much because i have guidelines um doing my coaching business and and my book and the podcast i get to be authentic and i get to be myself and it's really important when people do that because they're creative um you know, their creativity comes out and it it makes us unique. And so for, you know, for for anyone who's out there, if you're following a script to be successful, make sure you make it your own,
2: right? Like. It took me a really long time to get there though. I mean, I, even just in my own business, I think it took me the first three years of being in business to feel comfortable and finding that route because I think as much as I've always been, I, you know, I was the chief of staff of a nonprofit of 40 people. The people on my staff knew my authentic self, right? But I don't think I had ever before that done something that public that was so authentically me. And now when I give talks, and I love a live audience. Um, when I give talks, I just gave one. Um, I was in Norfolk, Virginia for the International Downtown Association Economic Summit. I was the closing keynote, which is a super fun spot to be. I was bouncing at the front of the room, right? Like this is me at four o'clock in the afternoon getting you excited. I am literally bouncing in front of you. And you know, that's a journey to get there.
0: That's great. Well, that means that you've done kind of all the things to follow, you know, what honors you, right? And not someone else. And uh, it's a pretty exciting journey.
2: Yeah, So I feel incredibly lucky.
0: We are running out of time. What advice would you give to our listeners um, for someone who wants to get into manufacturing or someone who wants to run their own business? Or,
2: you know, what would you tell our audience today? Well, I'll give you the same, uh, some of the same advice I got when I got started. Two of them, two pieces of advice I got when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next before I started Rekest City. One is find a business where people will pay you